It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It is Cofield and Company, Monday. Welcome in to our friends in Reno. You'll hear a lot of Raiders talk this hour and what is the future for the Raiders franchise and quarterback Derek Carr in particular. We'll get to that. Get you ready for Monday Night Football, Colts and Chargers. Big game, especially for the Chargers who could work their way into the playoffs, clinch a berth tonight, or they could open the door just slightly a little bit more for that Raiders possibility. I know a lot of fans don't even want that possibility. They want to be put out of their misery in terms of this season, but uh, Raiders are still alive. They will be no matter what happens tonight. And a lot of fantasy matchups coming down to Monday Night Football We'll see how that plays out for many of you out there with some primetime players in this game. Could be a lot of matchups decided in this one. Justin Herbert arriving, we see. Chargers are down to three and a half. Our good friend, our boy Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate just texted with a confirmation. The Sharps are moving on the Colts, so that's down half a point from earlier today. And uh, Chargers inactives have been – well, both inactives. I, I didn't look at the Colts yet, but uh, I think the biggest name there, probably Sony Michelle, is inactive for tonight. Isaiah Spiller as well. So a lot Isaiah of Joshua Spiller, Kelly yep. and Austin Eckler tonight for the Chargers. And hopefully, for some of our sakes, a lot, lots of Keenan Allen. We'll get to it. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. I wanted to start, it's a sad note, but a longtime Las Vegas and a true legend, pioneer in the world of MMA, the UFC in particular, uh, did pass away this weekend over the Christmas holiday. Very, very sad news that Stefan Bonner uh, has died. He is a guy who, you know, was largely responsible for the growth of the UFC and, and uh, the you know, the organization blowing up, becoming what it is today. He's been really kind of outcasted from that world for a long time, mostly uh, because he was, you know, toward the end of his career, trying to still hang on. He was popped for some performance-enhancing drugs. He kind of uh, spiraled a little bit and, uh, you know, was not in a great place for a while, and I think that allowed people to kind of forget about him and push him out the door. Um, And certainly there, you know, were some incidents that uh, were caught on video and, you know, people made, you know, had a lot of fun making fun of, and it's not obviously not a funny situation. It's certainly sad now uh, that he is gone, but uh, I wanted to make sure he got at least, at least his, uh, you know, proper send off, his proper going away as somebody who passed away because he he did have such an impact. For those that don't know the story of the rise of the UFC as an organization, that season one of the Ultimate Fighter is really what turned the corner for them. They were losing a lot of money. Uh, Dana White and the Fertitas, who had bought the company just a couple years earlier, uh, were basically ready to give up on it if Season 1 of The Ultimate Fighter didn't work. And Season 1 of The Ultimate Fighter is looked at as this big success, this big turning point, but it really wasn't at the time. What it was was a reality show that not a whole lot of people watched necessarily when it was on, and then the final came on, and Stefan Bonner against Chris Griffin was that final, was one of the greatest fights anybody has ever seen. And it just so happened to be the finale of season one. And I've talked to you know some of the TV executives about this. 
where you can see the rise in people watching from the first round to the third. Where the first round is going on, everybody's calling each other, everybody's sending out social media messages, you got to turn this on. And by the third round of this just absolute battle, everyone was watching. And it really jump-started the UFC into, into what it is today. And so, like I said, Stefan Bonner has you know gone through a lot or did go through a lot in the year since, but his role in that moment of the UFC and that turning point for the UFC can never be understated. So uh, RIP to Stefan Bonner, certainly his family, a longtime Las Vegas, and uh, somebody who will be missed and somebody who has been a big part of the community for the last several years. Number three. I obviously don't have a segue from that. I actually watched NBA basketball yesterday, which is very rare for me. But it was one of the only things on television. And you actually sent over some NBA stories today. So you clearly have not checked out of the NBA as much as I have. I will say, uh, not only the one moment, which everybody's talking about today, Aaron Gordon, one of the dunks of the year uh, last night, was incredible. But that was just that was just a fun game to watch, a really good game, even though Devin Booker left early with an injury. Uh, and it really started some weird, some weird betting stuff on uh, on social media yesterday, which was you know, Devin Booker starts the game, only plays four minutes, leaves the game, and then all these people who just started betting six months ago are like, oh, we're getting refunded for that, right? Like, no, what, the, the, what? It's it's preposterous. The, the, and I know you know for those in Las Vegas, and obviously our friends up in Reno as well that are listening. Uh, we've we've understood sports betting for a while. These things happen, but now that it's growing at this national scale, and all these people are jumping into it they never have before, the lack of understanding and comprehension is just is is baffling to me. Yeah, that's, and I think it's gonna, it's it's going to it's sort of ripping the bandaid off for these people because like they think that making themselves heard is gonna. You know, you're not you're not going in on December 26th with the refund. Going what? I can't get my money back? No, you can't. And and they're going to learn real quick. And as they get through this, some of these plays, some of these states, in their first year, you know, they're going to realize it really quick. Well, and sadly, there are some of these, you know, Johnny Come Lately books as well that do do it. They do throw refunds out there as as a gimmick and as a you know marketing tool. And it just doesn't help the the sports betting community as a whole. That's not going to last. I don't see. Hopefully it not. I don't see. It Hopefully not. Uh, but you are blaming the NBA for the Bucks struggles. Yeah, the Bucks have lost three straight. They've lost uh, five of eight. And you know, I, I started writing up some sports betting analysis um, last week, and I and and I went to. I'm, I'm looking at their schedule, and I'm like, wait a minute. If you go back to November 30th, they have played at this point um, 14 games. Now, of those 14 games, I believe 10 of them have been on the road, scattered. The four home games, Adam, are sandwich games at home against the Lakers, the Kings, the Warriors, in the Jazz. Now I'm going to run through this. November 30th and then leading up to yesterday. At New York, quick home for the Lakers. Back to back, go on the road, Charlotte, then Orlando. Come home, Sacramento, go on the road, Dallas and Houston. Come home for the Warriors. Back on the road for Memphis, go home for Utah. And then New Orleans, Cleveland, Brooklyn, 
Boston, and they finished this with Chicago. Now, because they played on Christmas, it's not like hockey where you get the break off. There's a, there are some teams that had four or five game road trips, came home, and now they got to go back on the road. Uh, tonight, the Hornets are in Portland. They were on the road, went home for Christmas, and now they got to come back to the West Coast. But you look at the Bucks; they're without Chris Middleton. They have been a fantastic go against, and I'm blaming it, yes, on the travel. Because in reality, those four home games are probably worse than the road game because you come home and you're home for a day. On top of that, if you look at their schedule, other than the second and third, the back-to-back where it was at home against the Lakers at the Hornets, there's just one day in between. So on top of going home for one second, you got to go back on the road, you get a day off, and then you play the next night. And it's it's not been easy. And, again, they, they've dealt with injuries. You're dealing with, you know, Robin being out to, to, to Batman. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting it on the schedule makers because it's it's been brutal for the Bucks since November 30th. Now they'll have uh, today and tomorrow off. They finish up the road trip in Chicago. And then they got a three-game homestand, Minnesota and Washington back-to-back. And then, it, and then uh, they won't enjoy a really elongated home stand until uh, late January. But it's been rough, and I and I noticed that when I started writing it up. And I just keep, you know, every time I rewrite it for for some sports betting sites, I uh, I'm using that right there because I, I think it's working against them. This is a tired basketball team. I love the passion for regular season basketball. <laughs> it's just so meaningless. It's great. Well, though. when you got to do it, you of course. Gotta, I mean, well, it's and the, my job. And the, well, it's also it's meaningful to people that can make money off of it, which is uh, what you can do. But the uh, the in the in the sports betting world, very significant, very important. Yeah. The overall scheme of things, the playoffs are all that matters in the NBA. Oh, absolutely, for sure. And absolutely. the Bucks will be there, and they'll be fine. And this part of the season will be forgotten. It'll probably help them. In prob- the end I was just going to say this will toughen them to up to get them ready for yeah. sure. Yeah. Number two. All right, speaking of scheduling and where we are in college basketball, things do matter, especially for teams that potentially could be on the bubble uh, when the NCAA tournament time rolls around because it's not based off record. It's based on uh, who can build the best resume. So you do have to you know, worry about these non-conference games. And UNLV has made it through the non-conference, uh, open up conference play on Wednesday at San Jose State. But UNLV, 11-1 and in non-conference play. And I think it's very interesting that I've seen a lot of people annoyed that the Rebels are only 11-1, and one, that they lost a game along the way, which was the the heartbreaker to San Francisco when they led by 10 in the final minutes and gave up an 11 run to end the game. Uh, it's it's a very disappointing loss and one that I think the Rebels would love to have back. But if you would have said they were 11-1 and one before the season, I think people would have been very, very thrilled with how the non-conference went. Yeah, they're, they've certainly exceeded expectations. Um, running Rebel fans should be excited about what's taking place. I think they've answered a lot of questions. Adam's biggest question throughout that run when they were 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, and he was attending all those home games, he said, it's because of the defense. They're putting up points, but the defense is creating the offense. But Adam's concern was, can they sustain defensive tenacity for 40 minutes every single night? Because right now, that's where they're buttering their bread. Now, I don't know if they've done it. You watch more running Rebel basketball, but what I do know is this. They're 11-1 and because of their defensive tenacity has come through, and they're showing it. And now they open up at San Jose State on Wednesday. 
huge game against a team that also has been defensively, that's a tradition at San Diego State, but that's a showdown. And if they can pick off San Jose on Wednesday, uh, the MAC should be packed. Yeah. That should be a big game. You run in Rebel supporters for years and years. When we talk about them and you tweet about them, yeah, start winning and and and, and then we'll go. Well, they're they're eleven and one. They're winning. If they're not the only number one. They're not the only team winning. Uh, we're still on that one. But they're not <laughs> the only team winning. Reno, uh, they are ten and three. Only a couple losses in the non-conference. I think playing better than a lot of people expected as well. They open up their non, or excuse me, conference schedule against Boise State on at home, and then Air Force on the road this week. So uh, Mountain West basketball should be very, very fun. A lot of teams with big winning records, uh, and then we'll see if they can keep that going and not cannibalize themselves and get some bids this postseason. Uh, because I think a lot of people in Reno and Las Vegas are very excited about the potential for their teams to play in the postseason this year. Number one. Now we'll do number one, and there's a lot going on with Josh Jacobs and Eric Carr, the rest of the team, as the Raiders stumble down the stretch here. They had a chance. Everything else fell into place for them uh, to potentially make the playoffs. They needed to win their games and have a lot of other things go their way. All those things went their way. Everything pretty much that they needed to happen this weekend happened except them winning their own game, and some frustrations boiled over, some real question marks about who's going to play this week. Who might be pulled? Who might be benched? What decisions are going to happen this week? And we want to hear from Josh Jacobs. When we continue here, he had some pretty powerful comments after the loss to the Steelers. We continue from Twin Peaks on a Monday. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. This is Cofield and Company. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez getting... Ready, Colts Chargers coming up in a little bit. Obviously, the game with big playoff implications in the AFC for one team, the Chargers. Not so much for the Colts, who pretty much are out of it. The Raiders are kind of somewhere in between that. They're in limbo. They've got a chance. It's almost 2% right now, 1.8 or so percent of making the playoffs. Of course, that would involve winning both their games, having a whole lot of help from other places. The Chargers would be in tonight. The Chargers losing would help the Raiders a little bit. Go from about 1.8% to about 26 27 something like that. I have to run the exact numbers. But either way, if they win and they are in and they clinch that spot, the Raiders' chances go down to about 0.9%. So not a whole lot of optimism that the Raiders are still in it. And that has led to speculating about the future of this franchise. Where do they go in the offseason? Do they move on? from Derek Carr finally, as has been speculated for several years. Derek Carr joked about that the other day when he was asked about the potential of being traded or or, or let go after this season. He said that's pretty much been talked about for the last eight years, which is kind of true. I don't think it's been eight. I think four or five, it's fair to say, after seasons. team People have speculated about what his future may bring. Now it's more real this time because there's no financial incentive for the team to keep him around. They basically did a one-year deal with an out. They could keep him and trade him. They could let him go. They have a lot of options that wouldn't really be a, you know, cause a penalty this offseason. And Josh McDaniels today with a big chance to endorse Derek Carr did not do so. In fact, he was asked if the contract situation and the fact that if Derek Carr gets hurt would impact his decision of who plays this week, essentially insinuating, hey, look, if you play Derek Carr and he gets hurt, 
his contract becomes guaranteed. Don't you have to take him out? And Josh McDaniel said all of those things will be factors in who plays. The writing is on the wall that Derek Carr may not be the starting quarterback, not only next year, but even this week for the Raiders. Uh, but this also goes back to the disaster that happened Saturday, the loss by the Raiders. Uh, nothing really went well, although, I mean, I, I would suggest a lot did go well. This this was a loss that, to me, was very much on Derek Carr. Mm. Usually you say, well, this could have happened, this could have happened, this could have happened. They, yes, they didn't run the ball a lot. The, the Steelers were showing eight-man fronts and shutting down the running game, daring the Raiders to beat them with short passes, and they weren't able to do it. Now you can blame the conditions, but Steelers put together a great drive with the conditions the way they were at the end of the game. Uh, there was a lot of very short passes that you could have attempted, that you, or excuse me, that you could have completed, that you attempted and didn't go well. There was a lot there. And certainly other people made mistakes, but this was a glaring, a glaring spot where Derek Carr could have made some plays and he didn't. And it kind of led to a loss, and I think that's why this speculation has happened. Uh, a lot of frustration after the game as well. People made of these comments what they wanted to. We wanted you to let we wanted to let you hear them in their entirety, so you can make up your own mind. Not seeing a you know a quote or something posted on Twitter or social media or you know written in the, in the paper on a website. Listen to the entirety of this interview. Who was Josh Jacobs talking about? Who's he frustrated with? I think it's everybody. Everybody's had their own opinions. They say, well, it's, this is directed at McDaniel's. This is directed at Carr. This is directed at other people in the organization. I think it's everyone. I think it's everything uh, that has led to the frustration of Josh Jacobs. But here he was after the game on Saturday in Pittsburgh. Oh, it feels like uh, kind of another loss where you, you guys let it slip your, through your hands. Um, and as you look back at some of these losses, these close losses, how disappointing is that that a lot of this has been self-inflicted? Yeah, man, it's bullshit for real. I mean, it's bullshit. Uh, and, it's, and, and it's on us, you know. Uh, that's when they were supposed to. You got to help them out. And, you know, I'm tired of saying we got to help them out. And it's just frustrating. So, yeah. You feel like you were uh, focused on stopping the running game? That's what kind of focus I mean, yeah. Playing? I mean, we, we still we still had opportunities to make plays. You know, I, I feel like in times where we was close and we, we felt like we was about to get a big one, we went away from it. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and the pass game was working early, so you know that is what it is. But to win these games, you know, especially at the long, at, at the end of the stretch, especially when you up, you know, against a team like this in the cold, you got to run the ball. So I mean, that's that's a factor on everybody involved um, from top to bottom. There you go. So you got to run the ball. Okay, I, I think they did. It didn't really work. The, the fronts were dictating that you can't really do that, and. They tried, maybe not enough for some people's liking, but there's no sense of continuing to just bust the ball into the line of scrimmage when you've got eight guys in the box. Do you feel like Josh Jacobs earned the right to speak? Like, if we were talking 10 weeks ago, and he was, you know, because a lot of the talk coming in was they didn't sign him, this is his last season, this is a guy they started in the first two series in the Hall of Fame game, he's got a lot to prove. Like, would he be as bold earlier this season like i think he's earned the right to speak like that um knowing what he the effort that he's put forth this entire season i i would agree and i think josh mcdaniels agreed today oh yeah when you know he was asked about it when josh mcdaniels was asked about the comments that uh josh jacobs made and uh was he upset or did he feel some type of way about it he said he loves josh jacobs he puts the effort every day and he can say what he wants yeah 
And it wasn't a he can say what he wants like, oh, this guy, they can say whatever he wants. It was a, hey, he's respected. He's earned our respect. He has the right to say whatever he wants about what this team needs to do because he's earned it. There's only one thing I disagree with Josh Jacobs, what he said after the game, and that is you heard that pause. Like he, he said, right, a couple of bleeps, and he said, and it's on all of us. I think that he. I think that that little pause was on purpose to make sure that he threw that in there, make sure he said talk about team. But I think deep down in his heart, he knows there isn't anything more. There's he's he's given every ounce of effort that he possibly could. Max Crosby has given every ounce of effort he possibly could. We've seen the best out of guys like that on this team. There are several guys we've seen the best out of. Denzel Perryman. Got, we saw the impact when he came back from his first injury, that first game back. I can't remember which game it was. It was at home. Um, might have been the Texans game. He, you know, he, we see everything out of a veteran like that. Um, I think that deep down, Josh Jacobs knows you gotta, you have to throw that in there, that line. But I don't think in his heart he believes that he can do any bit. There's, any, there's more he could do. He's done everything he possibly can. Yeah, I mean, look, nobody ever has done everything they possibly can. There's always little things you can do. There's a blitz pickup here and there. There's, you know, there's a yard that you didn't gain. There's a a tackle you didn't break. There's all those things. But he has been everything that they could have asked of him. He's done everything he could have asked him, and that's what they've said. That's what they've continued to say. Like, he has maximized his effort, even if it, you know, like, even if you leave a yard here and there, like, Everybody thinks that. Everybody says, hey, I could have done this. I could have done right, this. Right, right, right. Could have caught one more. Like, there's always something you can do, but sure. you know what nobody can fault. Yes, nobody can fault anything that Josh Jacobs has done, really, in terms of effort on the field. And so his frustration makes sense. And I think it, it speaks to how a lot of people feel about this team and, and watching this team and believing what they believed about this team before the season and seeing what the record is and seeing how they've fallen short time and time again and season and season again. I mean, last year, yes, they made the playoffs. They somehow found a way. I think through a lot of fluky results, but they found a way. And that was the one time in the last several years that they've done that because most of these other seasons, they've fallen short of what they wanted to do because whatever reason, whatever whatever area of the team they fell short in, they fell short. And uh, it, it's, it says a lot about where this team has been that it just continues to happen every single year. And he's expressing that. And, and I think the easy thing to say, the very, very easy thing right at the top is – Look, if this has been happening for a decade, there's only been one constant. That's it. Only been one. And there's a lot of reasons that it hasn't worked. Offensive line hasn't been great. Hasn't been, you know, star receivers all the time. There is change of systems. Change of systems. Change of coordinators. Change of running backs. Change of offensive line. Change of defense. Change of defensive coordinator. Change of everything. Yep. Except one thing. Yep. They're a car. And, and as I said earlier, I've been a car supporter. I've stood behind him. I've said in the years since they've gotten here, you covered a couple of years prior to you were flying up to Oakland. Um, but since they've gotten here, there have been other circumstances that have lent to the downfall of this team. But the beginning of the season, we said, I said, Derek Carr no longer has any excuses to fall back on. You have an offensive gurus come in. I've questioned the play calling. And it's been suspect. But you brought his college guy, his best friend, the guy he works out with in the offseason. Josh Jacobs has provided everything that he can. Okay, 
the offensive line. But it they, stepped up. They've actually been fine. They've, it stepped up. That's right. Uh, Derek Carr no longer has excuses to fall back. It, 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 this, his inefficiencies fall on him, period. Well, and, and let's just let's go let, – let's take the other side here. And let's say that it is everything else, that Derek Carr has been perfect. Obviously, that's a crazy thing to say. Even he wouldn't say that. But let's say he's been perfect. Shouldn't he also want to go somewhere else? Yeah. Isn't that also best yep. for him? Which we if said If you've earlier. done everything you possibly could, yep. and for this nine years it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason, maybe it's time for him to go somewhere else where he can thrive, where he can succeed. It's probably best for bo- – sometimes it's best for both parties. Exactly. And we said that earlier. It's, and it seems it's, like maybe that's the answer here. Yeah, the marriage is over. It's, it's time to just – it's time to end it. The problem is, what did he tell us earlier this year? He'd retire. I'm going to always be a Raider, or I'm going to retire. Well, he did gonna... kind of back off that uh, last, you know, a couple weeks ago. Nevertheless, uh, and I think there's a reason why. Yeah, because uh, I think he was, think he was told. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's kind of backed away from that, and I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, but we'll hear from him on Wednesday. When, by the time we hear from him on Wednesday, will we learn anything about this situation? We'll talk about that. What could happen between now and then? What could happen between now and Sunday with the Raiders? So much to get to with this team and around the NFL. We'll get caught up in what happened in the NFL this weekend. Some wild results, maybe not as wild as last week with some of the craziest things we've ever seen on a football field, but certainly some wild things happened. An update on Tua as well when we continue. Getting you ready for Colts and Chargers down here, not only on ESPN Las Vegas, but also at Twin Peaks where you can check it out. We'll talk to you as we continue on this Monday. There was a lot of controversy about whether he should have gone back in during the Bills game, a lot of discussion about the role of the spotters and the independent consultants, so-called. And I think you see something like this and you wonder how big of a problem this is in football and what further steps can be taken to ensure that a player who has that kind of hit uh, is evaluated properly. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It is Cofield and Company. Monday Night Football coming up. Of course, Twin Peaks is your spot. But for future games, great thing to do would be to get a party sub, a party platter from Port of Subs. Six-foot classic sub from Port of Subs goes to caller number five. Six-foot classic sub for Porta Subs. You also qualify to win a new Yeti cooler from Finley Volvo Cars. Call right now. Caller 5-364-1100-702-364-1100 for that prize. Six-foot classic sub for Porta Subs. That's great. That'd be uh, you and Jordan probably two days. You can eat that. Two days? Yeah. I'm saying most people would last like a week. You guys mm-hmm. will just crush it. Yeah, true. Leg days. There you go. Uh, we were talking about the Raiders and their situation. Derek Carr on Wednesday will speak to the media. We'll see what he has to say. It's a God. What? I can't even just. I'm just. Well, it's just you know, on our end, you you get to that podium and you just in your in a sense you're kind of just sitting there going, okay, how does he address questions this week? Like every week. I mean, obviously, I mean, the obvious questions, you know what they are this week, but it's, someone's got to ask the question, you know, especially addressing what McDaniel said. 
and what the, what the discussions have been. You know, at the beginning of the season, he said that they talk all the time. They texted. They called one another. wonder if they're still doing that. Yeah. and Well, I mean, look, there's a lot of mystery in terms of, you know, what they're going to do, how they're going to play this out. Again, no decision has been made. We're, I think we're speaking of this as, you know, they've already decided they're moving on from Derek Carr and that he's not playing this week, that they'd go to Jared Stidham this week. It seems like there was at least a, you know, a lean potentially in that direction, but nothing's been said. This is all speculation at this point. So I'm sure the company line on Wednesday will be, we're going to do everything we can to win the last two weeks. There's still a chance to make the playoffs until, until anybody says there's 0%. I love coach. I, b- I believe in it. Sure. Then that'll be the case. So uh, I wouldn't expect any grand declarations or anything like that coming out uh, this week. But certainly something to monitor here as we go forward. The next two weeks as the Raiders try to close out the schedule. Two home games left. One against the Niners. One against the Chiefs. Neither easy. Especially if the Chiefs game is meaningful. And it will be, you would think, if the Chiefs beat Denver this week. And even if, even if the Bills somehow beat Cincinnati, which I don't think they will. I think Cincinnati will win that game, but uh, it'll still matter because the Bills could potentially lose the final game and then uh, open the door for the Chiefs to get the one seed. So it doesn't look like the Chiefs are going to have anything wrapped up. No. Unless no. they lose this week and they're not the number one and they have no chance of getting the one seed, then they might rest some guys, but uh, they will probably be playing hard. The Raiders are playing week. two teams that definitely need their last two weeks. And are Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. It's a very tough they're way to close the season. Seeds. Uh, so we'll uh, certainly keep an eye on that uh, going forward as well. Uh, Chiefs, as we said, could be the, could be the one seed in the AFC. Much was made going into the year that they were done. Ah, they traded Tyreek. They're going to be finished. This is the end of the Chiefs as we knew them. Uh, not so fast. They're pretty good. Well, and also because everyone thought this was going to be the Chargers' year. Now, even though they're on the brink and could clinch a playoff berth tonight, as we heard our guest earlier, Tareen Williams, said Brandon Staley may be out regardless of what takes place. I'm conflicted on that one because, first of all, they could still finish, what, 11-6 and six, uh, this season. Uh, I, still think, I still think Brandon Staley is very, very good. Uh, I have been disappointed that he's... He's gone away from what got him here. You love his play calling on fourth. Usually, downs. I love going for, for <laughs> on fourth down, and I love not you know kicking field goals and punting. But he's doing it this year, so we'll see if he goes back to his normal self uh, when we continue more in the NFL from Twin Peaks Monday night. They're going to fire their coach, and they have no choice but not to. But I don't think it's out of the realm to sit there and say, should we just move on from the quarterback? And I know, Dan, that's so dumb. You can't because you can. And now it's awful. You're not going to be good next year. Who wants that job? That you think that coach is the guy to get Russell Wilson back and to fix Russell Wilson. Well, there's not that many of them. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Here's the problem with that with that statement, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. Like I don't think it's a crazy thought to say who would want that job. You have to be stuck with Russell Wilson. How are you going to handle this? I, I don't think that's crazy, but how do you fix it? What would you have to give up? First of all, you don't really have first. You can't say like the Rams did when they got Stafford. They didn't only they didn't only get Stafford. They got out of Jared Goff's contract by giving up picks. So you could go to a team and say, "Hey, 
Jets or hey, whoever, please take this guy off our hands. Here's three first-round picks to take him. You don't have the picks. And how many would you have to give up to get somebody to take him at this point with that contract? That's the problem. Because hmm. I, I, I think if it was as easy as saying, hey, look, we're moving on from the coach, we're moving on from the quarterback, we're starting fresh, let's go, I think that would be a relatively easy decision. And I don't think Russell Wilson's done necessarily. No. I think you get a, you know, get the, get a system that he likes. I know if, uh, if Dan Quinn is the coach who has you know, been around him in the past and understands him and if they have a good relationship and he brings in a, a coordinator that he likes, like, I think it's salvageable. But it's not as easy as just moving on. That's where the problem comes in of what would you have to give up to get somebody to, to let you move on? And that's, that's where it becomes very tricky. I think it's I think I agree with you Russell Wilson I don't think he's done we talked about this earlier um, I was never sold on D- Denver um, emerging in this division and all of a sudden being a threat solely because of Russell Wilson I don't blame as much um, you know at the beginning of this season as much as the issues the Raiders had along with the Broncos I had said they were coaching play calling down the stretch I still think that Denver's downfall fell on Hackett whereas the Raiders it's not so much McDaniels as it is uh, errors specifically falling on Carr's hands and the defense blowing leads Um, so I I think the right coach could come in you're right how do you fix it um, what sort of personnel do you bring in to build around Russell Wilson if build is even the right word because there's only so much building you can do with so much money that you have. Um, considering the record, um, you know, I don't even know where it's drafting and where it's going to, where it's going to, you know. So that's the biggest question. That's why it's important that with the guy that you bring in, as we spoke at the top of the show, Sean Payton, with if he has a staff in place, I think that's you know that's those are safe hands to put this franchise in. Outside of that, I don't know. I think it'll be very telling to see what happens with Sean Payton because I imagine there's a very very good chance that they offer Sean Payton the job and offer him unlimited amounts of money, basically a black check to take over. Does he take it? Does he take the job? Well, like what Shereen had to say, Shereen Williams joined us in that to jump right on it. It's a little difficult because you don't know what other openings there might be. You know, she brought up the possibility of the Chargers. She brought up the possibility of the Cowboys. Yeah. The Cowboys just knocked off the Eagles and are obviously going to the postseason and have now been considered a Super Bowl contender by some. Um, So there are some other areas where the Brinks truck could be backed up and that are more attractive than going to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, if the Chargers are open, I think that would be certainly one of them. If the Cardinals are, I don't know. Spot up the Cardinals because Kyler Murray is there and locked in, but he's also got an ACL yeah. to deal with. He may not be ready for the start of next year, and if he is, when is he back to being Kyler Murray? Because Kyler Murray as a pocket passer is not as intriguing as Kyler Murray as a mobile quarterback who can make plays on on the run with his feet and beat you downfield with his big arm different type of player but what and, and and his style of play also makes him susceptible susceptible to injuries 
Potentially, so. sure. Now, I will will point out I have the contract called up right now for Russell Wilson. The cap hit next year is only 22, but the dead cap is $107 million. Uh, after that, it goes up to $35 million cap hit, 85 dead cap if you, move, if you were to move on. And then the coup de grace 2025, the last year before there is an out in the contract, $55 million cap hit. Forty-nine million in dead cap. If you were to move on at that point, twenty twenty-six is when there's the first potential out. So, whoever takes him on, if it's not the Broncos, if they do move on from him, is going to ask for a lot to take on that contract. If, if Ari knew you were reading that contract, he could have had Sierra's "My Goodies" playing in the background. Because my goodness, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of cash. It'll uh, maybe pale in comparison to what she's making every year, but uh, it's a lot of money for sure. And more, more important than the money, because the money is relevant, but it's really the, the cap hit and the dead cap that you would take on if you were to move on from him. So uh, there's just a lot of factors moving there for that team. What, what I was saying about Sean Payton is, is, is he will get the best offer from them. Whatever anybody else gives him, they will match and exceed. They have unlimited money, and they, they will go after him if they want to. But the question is, does he believe that this is a job where you can win? Because if he says no to the Broncos, that means – this great coach and by the way you still have to give up compensation to the saints which they don't really have either to do this but if if he says no that's a great coach saying i can't win there that would be devastating to learn that for the franchise so i still think quinn is a major possibility to go to denver well not only sorry i'm sorry adam but not only would it be devastating for the franchise to hear that but it somewhat backhands them and tells a lot to other candidates. If this dude ain't going there for that money, what's it telling me? Yeah. Certainly that weighs into it as well. So a lot of moving pieces here uh, with this potential job that uh, will will tell a lot about the future of this franchise because they'll find somebody to take the job for sure, and they'll find somebody that thinks they can work with Russell Wilson, but they're going to have to find the right person to make this work over the next couple years because it is not a great spot uh, for this organization to be in. Uh, who is in a great spot right now is Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh. Got a ton, a ton of young talent. They are on a run right now while the Titans are struggling. That has put them into a position where they control their own destiny to win the AFC South. They've got a young quarterback that's finally playing, you know, stepping out of the, the vice grip that is Urban Meyer's awful clutches. He's playing at a high level. They've got a lot of young talent around him, and they're going to have money to operate because they've got a quarterback on a rookie contract these next couple of years. They're in a really good spot. He's stepping up to his, you know, the reasons why they they wanted him in the first place. And, you know, it's kind of fun to watch in that with what's taking place in that division. I didn't realize it, Adam, until I was doing um, some research for next week. And I looked up, and that's when I added it to the rundown. I was like, well, Jaguar, you know, um, I, I'm kind of happy for the kid. Just based, based off of what he went through under Urban Meyer. It's good to see um, Trevor Lawrence, who is now ninth in passing yards, 3,700, uh, 3, uh, a little over 3,700. Um, top 10 quarterback rating. And, and potentially getting to lead the Jaguars to a playoff appearance. Yeah, very good chance for them with the Titans and their Ryan Tannehill 
uh, situation. They moved on from the GM a couple of weeks ago, mostly because of what A.J. Brown did to them after they traded him away. Tannehill gets hurt. Malik Willis, who I like his future prospects, doesn't seem ready right now, uh, especially to lead this team, uh, because now they can over, you know, load up at the line of scrimmage and just sell out against the run, and he hasn't been able to beat teams downfield quite yet, and I don't think they've opened up the playbook with him completely either, which I think they're going to have to do uh, if they want to find some success right now with Malik Willis. Uh, they're being too conservative, and that affects Derrick Henry's ability to run the ball. Uh, their defense just is not getting it done enough. Uh, they are struggling, and uh, they have really opened the door for Jacksonville at a time when it looked like they were running away. And, man, this also speaks a lot to the Colts and their struggles because if they would have been able to salvage the season, you know, four, five, six weeks ago, if they actually would have – I mean, first of all, I would have kept Frank Reich – but if they would not have hired a person with zero experience as a coach, they could have turned the season around and been right in position right now with just a couple of more wins to actually compete. And they could be in the same spot that the Jaguars are right now and have this game meaningful to them tonight on Monday Night Football instead of just trying to play spoiler. I think they're going to play spoiler. I actually think that they have a good chance to win this game. Um, of all the dismal including or leading with the Vikings game, uh, dismal performances. Colts are 3-0 against the AFC West. Gus Bradley knows the AFC West, and what team does he know best? The team that he coached for for four seasons, the Chargers. So there's a part of me that thinks that the Colts have a really good chance. As I mentioned uh, before, the Sharps have made a move on this at plus four, taking it down to three and a half. Chargers having to go up there. And I think that the Colts are going to play. You know, it's easy to look at it and go, yeah, this team just collapsed. The way that it collapsed, you're talking about Gus Bradley and the defense. They just collapsed against the Vikings. Yes. So they might come into this game with a chip on the shoulder, pissed off to make amends by it. And again, 3-0 and against the AFC West, including the Chiefs. They've allowed, I think, an average of 15.3 points to the three teams. Now, that includes the Raiders and the Broncos, not saying much, but huh. nevertheless... There is something to be said about Gus Bradley, which knows this division very well. Yeah, could somehow go undefeated against this division. Now, of course, the Chiefs won that game. Uh, let's not let's not be crazy. The Chiefs did win that game yeah. against the Colts. The referees took it away. Uh, but on the on the slate, it says they're for, they they could be four zero against this division that everybody thought uh, was going to be so unbeatable going into the season. The Colts have a chance, uh, as you said, to play spoiler. That's about it right now. Uh, and they're showing once again the fact that the Chargers just don't throw the ball downfield despite having Justin Herbert, which is crazy. We'll see if they start doing that tonight a little bit, uh, taking advantage of his arm uh, and uh, and airing it out a little bit. The only two teams, only two quarterbacks with uh, less uh, yards per attempt, Matt Ryan, who is uh, benched, and Daniel Jones, who is a train wreck as well, I believe, in New York. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if the Chargers open it up a little bit, see if the Colts can play spoiler that game coming up tonight. As far as the NFC goes, uh, you don't think that either the Eagles or Cowboys is the most dangerous team in the NFC? I I, uh, I threw that question at our guest Shereen, and I, I a little and I hate I hate with a passion the 49ers because of 1981, but I think that the 49ers might be the most dangerous. Like that's the team I I don't know if I want to face uh, in the postseason. I think that they might be the most dangerous team right now. And we'll see them this week. We're not sure again who's going to be playing quarterback when the 49ers play the Raiders this week, but uh, certainly it'll be something to monitor. I still think if the 
49ers had Garoppolo, I think that they would be, to me, the favorites to come to the NFC to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Eagles, as long as Jalen Hurts comes back, is the team to beat in the NFC right now. But a lot of really intriguing teams, which we didn't know before the season was going to happen. It's going to be a fun postseason. It is. A lot of unknowns going into this year. That'll do it for us. Make sure you get down here to Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football, but you can come anytime. There's always great games on, always something to watch, always great scenery as well. The great happy hour specials, beer specials, always something going on here at Twin Peaks in Henderson off of 215 on Eastern. We'll see you down here. I got prizes.